I'm ready to dive into the message. Um, today is, it really is a special day. I, I, I really, I, I have a team that prays for me. Yesterday, even as I was wrapping up some of the preparation, I sent my intercessors. I said, I just feel like God's going to do something supernatural. I don't text them every Saturday or when I'm in prep mode, but I just said, would you just pray because I really believe God's going to break some things off of your life that will change your life. This is one of those words that I just, it has radically changed me just in the preparation. And I'm hoping it does the same for you. I, I really believe it's going to touch your heart. We have been in a series entitled Rebuilding. And so talking specifically rebuilding uh, your faith, your family, your finances. Um, and so I've been over the last couple of weeks talking specifically about finances, I talked about breaking the chains of debt. I don't think people are stingy. I think they're broke. Come on, somebody. So we just had a practical message about debt. Like, how do you break the chain of debt? How do you get out of debt? Uh, and listen, it's easy to happen. It's, I mean, I think we've all found ourselves. It took us 10 years to get out of debt, my wife and I. Um, and I felt like God just taught me a lesson. You know, I mean, you know, sometimes when it takes that long, it's because you're that stubborn. <laughs> it's like, okay, God, I got it. Um, but I'll tell you this, it taught me how to manage this church better. Uh, I'll never be back where I once was. And so we break the chain of debt. And then last we talked about the principle of the first. You hear a lot about tithes. But why is that important? What, what is the whole principle of first? And today, I, I didn't really... I just, wanted, I just thought I'd title it, I Need a Miracle. I Need a Miracle. That's the title of today. So we're going to dive into 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 through 14. It's a very interesting story. It's the story of Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's found in the Old Testament. Maybe you're new to Christianity and the faith. And I want to encourage you, start reading in the New Testament uh, don't don't try to start reading in Numbers or First Chronicles or Second. You know, just just start in the New Testament. Uh, one of the things I love to do is get a one year Bible. It's been my practice for over a decade now, um, or more, is to uh, allow that to be my diet uh, for God's Word. It gives me a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs. And uh, if you'll read it every day, it in one year you'll have read the entire Bible. Um, and so this is actually found in the Old Testament. Uh, Elijah was a prophet. And so God back in the day would use prophets uh, to demonstrate his power on earth, to demonstrate miracles, to speak to his people. Um, and so Elijah was one of the prophets of God that he raised up in a powerful way. Um, and in this season, uh, there is a wicked king named Ahab uh, and his wife Jezebel, and they're ruling and reigning uh, in the kingdom. And God is going to use Elijah in a powerful way to demonstrate his power. Later on uh, in 1 Kings, he actually defeats 850 prophets of Baal. But in this moment, God used Elijah to shut up rain and keep the heavens from bringing rain to the earth. And so we find ourselves in the middle of a drought. Uh, Elijah has spoken to the wicked king and said, God's going to shut the, the heavens and will not open them until I speak and I pray. 
And that's exactly what happens. And so now the theologians believe this is about six months to a year within uh, this time, which means there would have been a drought and a famine. Uh, God was providing for Elijah supernaturally by a brook, and ravens were bringing him food. How many know that's a supernatural thing? Uh, it's rare that God does a miracle that doesn't involve a person, and this time it's an animal. It's a raven uh, that's providing for Elijah. Well, then in the middle of this drought, the brook dries up, and God says, I'm now going to send you to a widow. And so the widow is in Zarephath. It's interesting with that because she's a Gentile. Uh, and so if you can imagine Elijah, he would think, God, look, you provided supernaturally. Why are you going to send me to a widow? Why not send me to a rich man or a rich woman? Why not send me to someone who is part of my people? And God says, no, no, I'm going to break all the paradigms because I'm going to provide the way I want to provide. And so we find ourselves in the middle of the story. It's verse 7. Look at what it says. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. And the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. I find it interesting. God says, look, I've already instructed someone. One uh, translation says, I commanded a widow to feed you. And then it says in verse 8, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath. Whoops, we already did that, didn't we? So he said, I ensured the widow feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little bit of water in a cup? Now, I know we read that, and it's like, oh, you know, God, he just asked for water. But you got to remember, it's a drought. What's the most precious commodity in a drought? So he asked for something that has value. Look, God said, I, remember David said, look, I'm not going to sacrifice to God something that hasn't cost me. So many of us, it's like God asks, he's not going to ask you for something that doesn't matter. What matters? Well, water matters. And look, her response is, sure, okay, which is, I think is fantastic. As she was going, she goes to get, get the water. He called her, bring me a bite of bread too. Come on, a little pushy. I mean, ever felt like God's a little pushy. Like, God, you pushy on me. Like, you asked her, you already asked her this. God, now you want that. And just some bread. She said, well, I swear by the Lord, your God. So not even my God, your God. That I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. Isn't that interesting? God asked for what she didn't have. She didn't have bread. But she has the ingredients to make bread. So even though you don't have what God's asking for, I wonder if you've got the thing that you need to make what God's asking for. So... I only have a handful of flour left in the jar, a little cooking oil at the bottom of the jug, and I was gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. So <laughs> you got to laugh at God, right? It's like, God, you didn't even send me to a poor person. You sent me to a really poor person. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, how do you know? Because number one, she didn't have bread. Number two, she didn't even have wood to cook on what she was going to make. She had to go gather it. Like, you know, if you got any kind of income, you're going to have a little bit. I mean, you know, if I got a fireplace, I'm going to put a little bit of stacks of wood. 
She didn't even, so she was really poor. I mean, oh, God loves to use the simple to confound the wise. The thing that people would discard. No, no good. You ain't got no education. You got no degree. You got no family heritage. It's okay. Listen, you may be just the person that God would use to do a miracle in people's lives. I just love God. He just don't care, does he? He's like, ah. So look, he says, gather a few of my son and I will die. <clears throat> he says, Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. We're going to come back to that. He said, go ahead, do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Everybody say first. And it's interesting how the principle of first comes back to play. <clears throat> he didn't say go eat, and if something's left over, give it to me. He said go and do it first. And the audacity of the man. Can you imagine in today's time, prophet Rob's widow? <laughs> right? Pastor Fleece's church. Come on, somebody. I mean, you got to know it. In the middle of a recession, you know. It's like, how many know God's recession proof? And I don't care what the tabloids say. Do you need a miracle? Like, and Elijah was just bold because there's a little bit of like, God, are you sure? God, no, 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 no. He knew God was up to something. God had a plan. And so he says, go and make it for me first. Then use what's left over. Prepare for yourself a meal and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. I think sometimes there's a miracle of just enough for now. I mean, right, we like the miracle of more than enough. The miracle of abundance, like, because we, we, you know, open up the windows of heaven and there'll not be enough room to contain the blessing. But sometimes you just need the miracle of enough for now. Like, God, I just need enough for now. God, I just need enough for now. I mean, think about in this, this whole miracle, it wasn't like, hey, your vats will be overflowing. It's like every time you go to the flour, every time you go to the oil, there will be just enough for now. For what? For you to feed me and your family. It's, it didn't say that, you know, there was the one where she pours the oil and go get as many containers as you need. That's abundance. Come on, somebody. I see this container and that container and that container and that container. That's not what this says. He says, look, where you're pulling from, it's never going to run out. It may not look like abundance, but can I send abundance in a different way? It's a little bit more. It's the, I just, the miracle of just enough. So she does just as Elijah says. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left of the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Now, I find this story very interesting compared to the story of God providing manna to the, the children of Israel, the Israelites. You know, in the wilderness, God provided the manna. They just went and got it. In this story, it wasn't about what God provided. It was a partnership with God. It was God providing, but she had to do something. 
Like there was this, it's like, God, okay, this miracle is going to be both you and I. And some of them are divine. Look, sometimes God does things and it's supernatural and you didn't have nothing to do with it. But what I have found is more often than not, most miracles that God does, God loves to partner with humanity. Like there's the man factor and there's the God factor and both work together in tandem and in working together, he produces a miracle, something supernatural that nobody could have done on their own by themselves. And sometimes if you're not careful, you'll miss the fact that it's just as great of a miracle as the other. It just was progressive. It didn't happen instantaneously. It happened over time. It was this day and that day and the next day and the next day and weeks and months. And lo and behold, she's made it through the entire family. Didn't look like a lot, but it was supernatural because it provided over the season of a just enough miracle. It's enough. So, so we like the instantaneous miracles, you know, and, and God has all of those. I mean, we know Jesus lays his hand on the, 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 the blind eyes and they open. That's instantaneous. It's miraculous. It didn't take nothing but faith. So Jesus prays. It happens. Lame man walks. Lazarus rises from the dead. Instantaneous miracle. But I'm telling you, in my life, those are few and far between for me. What I tend to see is a progressive. It's a little bit here. It's a little bit there. I'll never forget what Pastor Willie George said when we got ready to buy the building. Uh, we're, we're looking to see if the old tractor supply was the right place. And I took Pastor Willie George, who's a mentor in my life. Anybody know Gospel Bill? Come on, old school Christians. Gospel Bill, Nicodemus, you know. Gospel Bill is my mentor and uh, has come and spoken here and preached for us. And in fact, he just launched a podcast called, uh, was it uh, Roots? Uh, uh, Faith Roots. Man, it's fantastic. He's just trying to get us back to the roots of the gospel and back to the roots of theology and biblical understanding. And so he comes and I said, Pastor Willie, I, I really, we have an opportunity to buy the old tractor supply. He said, well, take me there. So I take him over there. I said, the only problem, Pastor Willie, is it's a little bit small. Where we're at, it just, you know, it doesn't, I, don't, I just, I don't know if it's the right place, you know, pre-COVID. Like it just, we, I don't know. And I'll never forget what Pastor Willie said. He said, listen, what's the other option? I said, well, go build out the ground, and how long will that take? How much will that cost? So we're talking about it. He said, Jim, you know what I've learned? God moves in steps. We all want to supersede the step. We want to take leaps, but God don't move in leaps. God moves in steps. This step to that step to the next step to the next step. And sometimes we want to leap our way, and we leap our way into trouble. That's how you get overstretched. It's like, well, I thought it was God. Well, did you take steps? Because when you take steps, it's really hard to get lost. It's like, God, I'm taking a step right here. The leap is where you get lost. And so a progressive miracle, progressive miracle. Somebody said, well, it's a miracle that, that y'all, you got the money. Well, listen, we've been working on this for a long time. 
We've been six and a half years before then talking about legacy, talking about giving, how that what God has put in our hands, he's got enough for this church and for our family. So it wasn't just an overnight thing. It's been us learning and developing. You know, we've been doing legacy offerings for years before we ever did a moving forward offering. Well, what's that doing? That's stretching our faith. See, you think giving is about God trying to get something from you, but it's not. God ain't trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. I've always seen that giving is really God's opportunity for a setup for the miraculous. Oh, pastor, would you talk? Every time God wants to do something in our life, he's like, you got to release what's in your hands. Think about this. Think about this widow. Think about it. I mean, I've thought about this a lot. This, this story has me pretty shook enough. I, I, you know, I think about this woman. I mean, how desperate do you have to be? Like, she didn't say, I'm in need. I need some kicks. I need some LeBron James, some Jordans, you know. I just, no, no, that ain't what she said. She didn't say she needed a car for transportation. That's, that's, that's not what she said. She didn't say she needed clothes. This woman said, I'm getting some sticks. For what? To cook her last meal. How desperate would you have to be to be cooking your last meal? I mean, think about that. This woman is hopeless. Like, there's no hope. So, so somehow it's, and so how long ago did her husband die? We don't know. But we do know that he died. And back then, the husband was the provider. And once the husband dies, now the son becomes the provider. The problem is the son is too young. So the burden of provision now falls upon her as a widowed woman. She has no options. And do you think people are going to bring her in? They're going to bring her in. Why? Because they're trying to survive their own famine. And what is a famine? I mean, when you think about famine... It's when what was providing no longer provides. The, the land that provided no longer provides. So look, you can look at her and say, well, look, we're not in a family. Yeah, but what in your life has died, that thing that once provided for you is no longer providing. And if that's the case, you might be in a famine. Oh, but I'm not going to pick up sticks and die. No, but, but you may be in a place where you're hopeless. What provided for you, it's not providing anymore. Maybe it was a relationship. That relationship provided safety and security and love. And all of a sudden through COVID, you realized, look, we got a lot of problems. See, I, I tell people, say, well, COVID caused us to have marriage problems. No, baby, COVID just exposed your marriage problems. But now that relationship that provided for you is no longer providing. Maybe you're in a relational famine. Maybe it's a business. Like a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs. And, and so you had this stream of income, but now it's died. And, and, and so you find yourself, maybe it is a financial. You're like, God, I can barely pay my bills. In fact, you're not even paying your bills. Maybe you're in a financial famine. Maybe it's spiritually. You thought you were enlightened. Maybe you thought you had a relationship with God. Look, I, I, I went to church a long time before I was radically saved. And I actually ended up on drugs, strung out, five nights on drugs, up all day, every, and realized I had spent 20 some odd years in church and was still lost. And now here you are, 
and you find yourself in a spiritual family. Went to church, prayed, did good things for God, and, you, and the source of your strength has dried up. Maybe you didn't have a relationship. Maybe you are in a spiritual famine. Here's the question that, that, I, that has really, we got to ponder. It's this, did God send Elijah to the widow to provide for him? Or did God send Elijah to the widow to provide for her? And I think the only way that you can answer that is you have to legitimately understand the character and the nature of God. So when you understand God, you know that God is a loving father. So Romans chapter 8 verse 15, the spirit you receive does not make you a slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba. Father, Father. Well, I know some of you have fathers, but your father was abusive. God's not an abusive God. God's a loving God. Yeah, I, yeah there are consequences to our actions, but he loves you so much he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth to die for you so that you could have salvation and experience eternal life. People don't go to hell because God's mean. People go to hell because they reject God and then blame him for their rejection. Why his son died on the cross. For who? For you. He's a loving dad. He's a gracious father. He cares about you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Some of you think, well, God, you don't really care. God does care. He cares every time you cry, every time your heart is broken. Every tear you've ever shed, God cares. Do you know God cares so much he's numbered the hairs on your head? If that ain't a loving God, look, God cares. You know you only count what matters? If it didn't matter, he'd just say, I'd, just whatever. Will you get a little? God, I wish I had a little more. Come on, some, you know what I mean? Come on, somebody. He cares that much. He loves you that much. And so when you understand the nature of God as you read the Bible, you begin to, because if you don't, here's what will happen. You'll read this story and you'll say, see, God, you needed that widow to provide for your man. You needed that widow to do something. No, no, God was setting it all up. It was a divine setup. He could have sent Elijah to a rich man. He had ravens feeding Elijah before. He sent Elijah to the widow because he loved the widow. It's just that I've commanded her. You know, it said, I've, I've commanded a widow. And so, so I don't know. I mean, who knows? But maybe she's one of the few Gentiles that cried out to God in the famine. Oh, God, if you're real. If you're real. Because we know when she met Elijah, it was your God. But here's what's interesting. Later on, Elijah raises her son from the dead. And now his God becomes her God. God's not afraid that he's not your God right now. He's not concerned about that. 
He still loves you, and I'll tell you, he does miracles for you whether you realize it or not. There are opportunities for miracles who are believers and unbelievers. The question is, how do you respond in that moment? See, if you don't know the character of God, what you'd do is you'd, you'd say, ah, you just want something from me. Second thing you got to just know is that God partners with people. When he performs miracles, he partners with people. Like, there are a few random, not random, but few where it's like miraculous, not just all God. But, but think about the Bible. Think about partnership. Adam and Eve, what did he do? He created Adam and Eve, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Go and take dominion of the earth. Subdue it. Now, don't you think God could have made everything happen miraculous? No, no. He said, look, I created it. You go manage it. That's how come Jesus had to come back to the earth. Why? Because when Adam and Eve sinned, they relinquished the control, the authority, the dominion to the devil. So Jesus had to come back, all God, all man, live a sinless life and take back what the devil stole from Adam and Eve. So that legally we can stand right here and say, as Vanessa said, that my God, we will do greater things because of the sacrifice, because of the blood of Jesus. We have authority to take over dominion over the enemy so he partners I mean think about Noah I mean God's gonna destroy the whole earth couldn't he have just wiped him out and said yep that was a mistake right the sons of God have relations with the daughters of, of humanity and giants are born and God wipes out all of creation except Noah now think about this we read that and we're like Big boats, two by twos. I just want to ask him, why didn't you swat the mosquitoes? There was only two. Come on, somebody. Right? Just kill those cockroaches. Kill those, like just a couple. Like I wouldn't have taken all the animals out, but there's a few I would have taken out. Come on, somebody. I just, I'm going to ask him. That's on my top 10 things to ask. But think about this, we, you know, we, we these story, we see little two animals walking in. It took him a hundred years to build God's plan for a boat. A hundred. So the miracle was Noah built it. I mean, the natural was Noah built it. The miracle is that God protected and saved. And it was so big, the door was so big, God shut the door. See, I think that was God, too, because God was saying, look, even though you built it, I still am the one that has to seal it. Right? I sealed it. I mean, would you, would, so you got all these partnerships, and, 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 and even in miracles, when you look at miracles with Jesus, you know, it would stretch out your hand. Peter and James walk into the temple, take up your mat and walk. Like they had to do, the, the people coming through the roof, I don't know if you've seen the new series Chosen, but I love the new series. But I have, I've cried three times, like for real cries, like tears down my eyes. My kids were in there. <coughs> like if you haven't seen it, it is probably the most powerful thing. It is not cheesy. It is powerful. But those people brought that lame person through the roof. What, what happens? Their faith is demonstrated. There's a partnership that took place. I mean, it's absolutely astounding. I mean, think about Moses. God delivers the Israelites, the nation of Israel, out of Egyptian slavery, but God used Moses. 
to go and set forth the ten plagues. Right? I mean, it's this constant partnership. And sometimes we can come to church and we open up the altar and we're like, hey, pray for my marriage. Heal it, God. Come on, somebody. Another spirit finger, she like that. That's Ashley. That's you, Ash, our little cheerleader. You pray for your health. God, heal my health. And look, I ain't clowning about marriage and health. Trust me. I got you. We, we got our own struggles and challenges. And I mean, th- think about your life and, and what you're walking through. God, it's, it's, it's heal this and fix this and do your miracles. And, and it's out there. And I wonder if that miracle is not got to do with more of what God has in here. And I know you don't have what he's asking for, but do you have the ingredients to make what he's asking for? Because I think we just get lazy. We want easy miracles. I like easy. Come on, somebody. Don't kid yourself. I know I work hard. People tell me, I like easy. I'm always trying to find the shortcut. Like that's what makes, it's like if we're, if we're driving and, Kevin and Ashley, they love to race each other in cars. They're on ways. They're like doing all kinds. If you ever rode with them, they're just buck wild. They're, they're, they both have competition as one of their, and so they're, you know, and it's, so you constantly, that, that's me. I want the easy way, the short way. I always tell Phyllis, she's like, but there's always two ways. I said, yeah, but mine's always faster. <laughs> Hers may be funner, but mine's going to be faster. And we love easy. We love it. We, lo- we love it, you know, and, and I like it. But we don't serve an easy God. We don't serve a microwave God. We don't serve a charity God. Mm, let me say that again. We don't serve a charity God. I know that didn't get a whole lot of amens. Look, because we want Santa Claus. Come on. He don't give handouts. He gives hand ups. It's like, I'm going to give you a hand up. Why? Because if I can teach you how to fish, that's way different than just giving you a fish. And so what's he doing? He teaches us how to live a life of faith. How do I live a life of faith? So that's why even with this, this, whole, this whole miracle with the widow, think about it. Day in and day out, every day. Wow, God, you're a good God. Every day, that oil, that flour, there's just enough. There's just enough. God loves those miracles for just enough. I remember when Phyllis and I lost our business, and there was just enough. We lived in that season for a decade, just enough. And many times, it didn't even make sense. I I don't know how it's going to make it. She'd ask me, and I'd do the budget. How many of you have ever been there where you got your budget and you just get tired of it because it never makes sense? I've been there. I've been there. You know, and even our, our first house, after it took us, it was 2011, we bought our first house. That was the first thing that we could buy after this long stint of paying off debt and doing what we could. And I'll never forget the, the most amazing thing happened. I'm, I'm a go, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor and I'm going to go preach at this disciple now and as a youth pastor listen I could have signed up for food stamps come on somebody like like I got a family and we ain't rich and and then on top of that every time we did one of those three offerings I was always giving and I'm like Lord Jesus but let me tell you this someone said well why would you give to the church that pays you 
because that church ain't my source. I can't tell you how many times Phyllis and I would be sitting there. I'd be looking at her. I feel like we're supposed to give it all. Come on, baby. How many times I did that? How much? All. Well, how much is all? I'd tell her. She's like, for real? For real. But, but I won't do it if you... And this is what she said. You can't outgive God. I can't tell you how many times. I, I remember one time. We had given, and all we had was like $1,000, 500 I think it was 500 bucks. I said, we're going all in, all in. We went all in. God is my witness. The end of the service, we go back to the auditorium. Someone hands us a check for $5,000. Another time. So we, here's, I, we, that happened at least three times. That's that miracle of just enough. So all I got to do is just be obedient. So I'll never forget, we get ready to buy, we, we weren't even buying the house. I will never forget, I was driving down Williams Way, right by the rec center. We lived right there in Naples Court. We were renting a house, and I just prayed. And I, have you ever prayed and you felt like you touched the heart of God? I just prayed. I said, God, I just want a house. Now remember, Steve and I had seven houses at 24. I'm now 30-something years old, and I ain't even got one house. I said, God, please. Somehow I felt like we connected, no big deal. Lo and behold, I get an invitation to go speak in Sulphur Springs. I accept it. The guy says, I'm going to pay you $1,500. He could have said, I'm going to give you a million dollars. That's about the same as what that $1,500 was to us. Come on, somebody. Diapers and milk and all the things you got to do. Come on, I mean, I am grateful. I graduated from that diaper budget. Come on, somebody. You know it's something when your, your budget has diapers in it. I got a raise. Get them out of Pampers, baby. I need a raise. <laughs> and I'll never forget, it's in January. I was going in March. And the, the Lord spoke to me. No, maybe it was, it was in January. It was, it was a couple months before that. Give that $1,500 to the pastor. I said, what? You mean the one that's, like, paying me? Yep. So much so, I said, God, are you sure? I told Phyllis. Remember, I'm like, God, I don't. And Phyllis wasn't in agreement at first. I ain't going to lie. She's like, I don't think that's God. I said, baby, I don't think so either. <laughs> the one time. And then I came back and I said, but I felt like the Lord gave me a word. I felt like the Lord said, write it, write out a prophetic word. I said, we, we got to make the decision now because when that check gets in my hand, whoo, that's going to be hard to release. Remember that? Lo and behold, he gave it to me. I said, hey, listen, this is how funny it is. This is how funny. I signed it over and gave it to him. He didn't even seem like it was a big deal. I got a little, I'm like, well, let me take that thing back. <laughs> but I felt like God said, that's me too. Because it doesn't matter how they respond. I asked you to do something. Yeah, see, you want everybody to say, woo. Listen, no, they ain't going to give you the kudos. Why? Because that's not where you're supposed to get it from. But I will tell you this. Steve, lo and behold, it wasn't just a month. It was three months later. April, January, that happens. By April, Steve got us financed into a home. Listen, we paid less than $1,000 to get into it. Bigger, nicer, better, paying less for a mortgage than we were for rent. And then 
all of our debt. A, a couple said, hey, we're going to pay off your debt. They paid off all of our unsecured debt to get into that house. All because of the releasing of what was in our hands. I'm telling you, it was a miracle. You remember that? It was a miracle. Absolute miracle. So I think we want easy, but sometimes there's progressive, progressive, progressive miracles. And so when you look at her, here, here's what I've, I've, I've noticed. So it's oil and flour and a whole lot of work. Oil and flour and a whole lot of work. That's the recipe for your miracle. Oil and flour and a whole lot of work. Oil and flour and a whole lot of work. So, so you want healing in your marriage. Trust has been broken. Someone betrayed the other. Relationships dead or dying. There's a famine. What once produced is no longer producing in your life. You're at the end of your rope, but you sense God saying, give it one more shot. Here's your response. I ain't got one more shot. See, that's the miracle. Come on, give it 100%. I ain't got 100%. Yeah, I know you don't, but God does. So if you don't have what God is asking for, my question is, what other ingredients do you have that can produce what God's asking for? See, Elijah asked her for bread. She didn't have bread, but she had flour and oil. God's asking you for 100% in your marriage. I ain't got it. Okay. Well, can I ask you this? Do you have insurance? Well, what are you going with this, Pastor? Do you know a counselor? A marriage counselor. What you mean God wants me to take my health insurance and go and use that to go find me a marriage counselor? Baby, God ought to know he is the one with the problem, not me. God better fix him. And God's like, I can't fix him till I fix you. Would you go and use the ingredients that have been sitting in your house so that I can produce a miracle inside of your life? But see, that ain't easy. It's easier, God, to, to say, you fix him and you fix this. And, and God's like, I'm trying to fix you because really you're the problem and he's the problem. It's a both and, not either or. So I need you to spend years years working in counseling. Yeah, but God, that's going to take a long time. What's the alternative? Divorce? Broken family? I know it is. I mean, because see, this takes work. This is hard. Like, but that's not a miracle. Oh, it's a miracle when a relationship is raised from death to life. That is a miracle. We just want it supernaturally as we see supernatural. Hey, listen, look, Phyllis and I, we had a rough start to our marriage. And if you've heard our, our, whole, our whole testimony, you'll know. But I'll never forget, God told us both. We were the one for each other. We were going to work it out. And we have worked it. Hey, I want you to know we are still in counseling. Come on, somebody. I've been in counseling. Phyllis went first. We launched the church. She's like, you, you need counseling? I'm like, you need counseling? She's like, we need to go. I said, you need to go. <laughs> Come on, somebody, can we just get real? I, why do we all live on this? Don't put me on a platform. I'm not on a pedestal. God just gave me the mic. And here's it. You can't take it away either. <laughs> Only God can. But here's the reality between Phyllis and I. Six years we've been in counseling, 
since back here. And that's when counseling wasn't like, like it was like you have a problem if you're in counseling. I remember standing in front of the church. I thought half the church probably going to leave. But I'm going to tell them anyway because I need to give our church permission to get help outside of themselves. Sometimes you got to go somewhere that can help you outside of your own problems. And you like it because my counselor tells me hard things. He told me I was prideful. I got so mad. He said, prideful. He said, yeah, you're prideful. Well, how do you respond to that, right? If I say I'm not, well, that's pride. I was so mad. I felt like he tricked me. I was pissed. He's like, I wrote it on my board. I'm not prideful looking at it. And God said, you are so prideful. And I went back the next week. He's like, I didn't think you were coming back. I'm like, where else am I going to hear the truth? I need you to speak truth to me. So it's been hard work. I mean, it's, listen, you think it's, I, I went to counseling twice last week. <laughs> I'm for real. Listen, why, why would you say that, Pastor? Because healing and miracles are hard work. Well, is that a miracle? Absolutely, it's a miracle. Phyllis and I have never been better in our marriage, it's never been healthier. Is it still hard? Healing and miracles are hard work. We just, I mean, because we want it easy. I want it easy, but God said there ain't no easy. It's just we got, we got it. And, and then think about even with your body. You want healing in your body. Maybe you got high blood pressure, diabetes, and God's speaking to you. Get healthy. And uh, you're like, come on, Ollie, I need you to pray for me. So you get prayer, and that's awesome, and you feel like, well, I just, I can't get healthy. Like it's, how do I do it? Well, the question I would ask is, what do you have? You got any weight equipment? Can you get a membership to Texans? Right? I mean, can, you got Google? You can look up healthy recipes. Come on, somebody. They're out there. So, so well, what do you have? Well, that, that, no, God, I just want you to heal my high blood pressure. He's like, yeah, yeah, I will. But I need you to go to the gym, and I need you to eat vegetables and stop eating brownies and chocolate chip muffins and, and a pint of Rocky Road ice cream. Come on, somebody. And so the miracle is in the supernatural. And I'm not, I'm, listen, I, I know I'm making light of heavy things, but I think it's fun to laugh. But the reality is, when do we stop saying it has to be instantaneous and realize that miracles are progressive, that it's in the day in, the day out. It's in the minutia of right decisions here and right decisions there. And it's God working on the supernatural. And then lo and behold, what happens is your blood pressure's low. The diabetes that they said would never go away is gone. It's a both end. It's all God and it's all us. And it's us working together. And that is the secret place of miracles that nobody will talk about because it's too hard. And I'm going to challenge you. If you need something from God and you've been asking for a miracle, I want you to ask God, what's in my hands that will produce this miracle? Maybe it's going to take some grit. Maybe it's going to take some work. Maybe it's going to take a lot of patience and time and but the way I look at it, listen, I, I just have this whole rule. It's 1%. I just want to be 1% better today than I was yesterday. I'm not looking for 50%, 100%. If I could just, and then 365 days later, I'm a different person. 
And then the next year, I'm a different person. It's the compound effect. Darren Hardy writes about it in his book. He's just preaching God's word. It's the day in and the day out. It's a little here and a little there. It's faithful in the little. God makes us ruler over much. It's a biblical principle, and God's miracles reside right there. And I want to leave you with this last piece. Don't let the devil rob you of your miracle with fear. Isn't that interesting? Out of all the things that Elijah said, V, you guys can come out. Isn't that interesting? He says, do not be afraid. What does he say? Go do. He didn't say go pray. He didn't say, you know, he said go and do. Be afraid. Be afraid. You have to realize the enemy is going to try to stop the miraculous. I never forget when we were standing on this stage, or I was standing on stage with everybody, and I told my kids, Hey, this building is going to be the best thing that's ever happened. It's going to be the worst thing that's ever happened. And I needed a word, which I write about in my, in my book that's coming out. It's going to be, hey, here's the release date, November 9th. So November 9th. But I write about it. That God, I just, I need to know if it's you or not. God, I just, I got to know, is this what you want us to do? Y'all turn that down just a little bit. Casey, I don't want it too loud. Y'all just wait playing for me just a second. I know I called you out. Don't they look good? Come on, give it up for the worship team. Elvis, I love you, man. Just give me a second on it because I don't want to distract it. But I'll never forget I stood up here and I had a word. Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord. Is there anything too hard for me? And God was breaking a paradigm, which you've heard if you've have been around, talked about the fishing, the story with, uh, fishing with Johnny's story. Um, but I've learned something in my life that I need you to take away today. Because if you don't get this, you'll walk out of here and by the end of this week feel defeated. When he says don't be afraid, imagine when God puts a demand on your life, it will always stretch your capacity. Always. Why? Because it's divinity upon humanity. I'm being stretched. It's probably God. It's more than I got. Probably God. I don't know if I can do it. Probably God. And so there's this, I, I, you want all, like, and the thing that he knew from the step of yes to the doing and fulfillment of what she said she would do, that path is laced with fear. What if he's not the man of God? What if this doesn't work? What if God isn't real? And so this fear will paralyze you, and, and if you're not careful, what you'll think is because there's fear, it's not God. And what I need you to know is that if there's fear, it's probably God. 
Like, I can't say for sure because I'm not you, but I just realized, man, if there's fear attacking me, fear doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy. Why would the enemy try to place fear on my life? Because he's trying to paralyze me and keep me from doing the little small step that to me is a big step that will keep me from experiencing God's miracle in my life. Because that's what fear does. It paralyzes. And I'll never forget, my mom, you know, I I was thinking about, she used to help me write my messages, Jason, back in stand days at Lamar. We, used to, we started, Mom would help me write them, and I was just thinking about it. When I would do it, I'd say, Mom, you know, I'm nervous. And she, we talked a lot about Joyce Myers, and I learned something. Because I used to pray, 2 Timothy 1 said, God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. That's awesome scripture to pray. But nowhere in the Bible does it say you'll never experience fear. In fact, 25 times the Bible says very clearly many times to Joshua, be strong and courageous. What was courage? Courage is doing it afraid. See, faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is doing it afraid. That's what you have to know. I'm nervous. Like if I go see the counselor and I use insurance, is my husband going to think the problem's me? Well, probably, but at least you'll be healthy. You know, what, well, what are people going to think? Well, they're probably going to think you're crazy, just like they think I'm crazy. But at least you're going to be healthy. Oh, you mean I'm going to have to work through some pain? Yeah, you, yeah you're probably going to have to work through some pain. But at least you're going to be healthy. And that's where what you got to realize is all the fear is what if, what if. Who cares? Not what if. That you know the bad things. What if God does a miracle? What if my marriage is restored? What if I'm actually healthy? What if the trauma from the past can't derail me from the future? I mean, that's the what ifs you ought to look at. What if this really is God? I don't want to miss Him. What, that's how I stood up here with the building. I thought, okay, the trustees are behind me, the overseers are behind me, our staff are behind me. I believe it's God. It's like, what do we have to lose? Otherwise, we'd still be in this place. We wouldn't have a location. And I thought, God, what if this is you? What'd you do, pastor? I just did it afraid. When I gave that pastor that money, you know what? I did it afraid. I'm like. (sighs) And then he didn't even appreciate it. Four months later, I closed on my house. What if it is God? I think that's where this widow could teach us something. She was so desperate, she didn't have options. I think we lose desperation because we think we got options. I could go here. Now you guys can play. That's a good place to play. I felt the Lord say last night he was going to break a spirit of fear. Well, we just, his presence is in this place. And give me some keys with that. Father, we worship you. God, we praise you. God, we magnify you. God, we glorify you. He just talked to him. Just speak to him. Just, God, I love you. God, you are great. God, I love you. In fact, why don't we do this? Just stand up. I'm, I'm not going to be long. But you know what I saw yesterday? I told Phyllis, I said, I really, I, 
this is what I was talking to my intercessors. I just told them, I said, I, I could just sense the power and presence of God. And here's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that this pandemic has released fear in the life of Christians more than ever. It's very interesting. The one thing the prophet calls out is the one thing we're struggling with now. So we got to be careful, right? Listen, this ain't about mask or no mask. This ain't about the, what the government says or doesn't say. Look, I, I, there ain't no judgment. I don't care what you, you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You don't want to wear one, don't wear it. What I'm asking is, has there been any fear that has gripped our hearts? I'll never forget, I walked into a doctor's office. I write about this in the book, and I didn't realize it had gripped me as much as it had until I walked into a doctor's office. I got a mask, they got a, uh, everybody's got a mask. Nobody's in the office. I'm sitting there. They'll, we'll call you back, Mr. Kyles. Thank you. Awesome. Somebody walks in. A guy walks in, got a mask, checks in. Whole office is empty. And that man had the gall to sit right next to me. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I'm offended. Like, and I thought, well, in that, why wouldn't he not sit by me? Because before pre-pandemic, like, hey, bro, let's talk. But you become so afraid. It's like, I don't want to get what you've got. Listen, I got the power of God on the inside of me. And I, it, you know, and I, listen, I also want to, recognize, I know people have lost their lives. I get it. Both sides. Hey, I look at it this way and I know it's going to sound crude, but my dad passed away just six months ago. Listen, we both win. He gets Jesus quicker. He's in heaven. So I guarantee my, my pastor told me when I was in the, the, It's okay. It's okay. I was in the toughest moment. I called my pastor. I said, I miss my dad. In typical Pastor Chris fashion, he says, Jim, realize this. Your dad wouldn't come back if he could. He's with Jesus. That's what we got to remember. Do we have loved ones that pass away? Yes. Is this real? Yes. But would they want us to live in fear while we're still here on this earth? And the answer is no. That we would walk in God's power. Bold. Courageous. Willing to work hard. Not allowing fear to stop us. Father, we pray. Just... Father, we thank you. Just call out to him. God, I praise you. God, I magnify you. God, I glorify you. Father, I pray over every person in this place. God, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. That in this moment, Lord, you would break off. In fact, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you do this? Would you, if that's you, you struggle with fear, would you just... Raise your hand. Maybe you feel right now that there's something that's been gripping you. Maybe you're at the house. Would you stand up? If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands. I'm going to pray over you right now, right where you're at. And we will break this demonic spirit that has tried to stop what God wants to do in your life. Right now, through the power and the anointing of Jesus. Lord, I'm asking you to break off the demonic spirit of fear off of your people. Lord, I pray for this word that it would 
dive deep into their heart that God you would do what only you can do that in this moment they would not walk in fear but walk in faith they would not allow the what ifs to go to negatives but the what ifs to go to you that God you're in this place that God right now you have set them up for a divine miracle that only you can do and we break off fear in Jesus name no longer to have a hold, but God, from this moment on, a fresh clarity, a fresh boldness to take the steps that you have called them to take. In Jesus' name. Now, with heads bowed, eyes closed, I want to do one more thing, and I'm going to close. Ministry team, go ahead and come on up. Present yourselves here. We're going to dismiss, and then you'll be able to come down for prayer if you need it at the end. But right now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here in this place and you don't have a relationship with God, I'm going to ask you this. Would you, in this moment, consider the fact that maybe this has been a divine setup, that God brought you here because... He's got a plan for your life. He brought you here because he loves you. He brought you here because there's a miracle called salvation that he has right now for you and your life. And you say, well, how do I know? Well, because you feel lost. If I were to ask you if you had a relationship with God, you'd say, no, I don't have a relationship with him. I don't know him. I'm distant. But right now in this moment, I want a relationship with almighty God who's a loving father. And I'm going to tell you, it's so easy. It's free, but it's going to cost you everything. What do you mean? Salvation is a gift, but from this moment on, your life belongs to Him. And if that's you, you're ready to surrender. You're ready to say, God, I'll go all in. I'll go all in. Just right where you're at, we're going to say this. Say, Jesus, come on, say, I need you. I confess that you are my Lord, my Savior. I give my life to you. I surrender everything to you. Forgive me of my sin. Wash away my past. Cleanse me. Right now, I receive your gift of salvation. Come on, church, celebrate. Yeah.